Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Jesus answered, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, and Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who we used, who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I'm the same man. I'm the same one. And they asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and sprayed it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. Well, where is he now? They asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. Because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this is your day. This is your word. We ask that you open our hearts and minds to it, Lord. And Lord, use as a vehicle a very unworthy person to read and minister your grace so that all of our hearts can be touched and that we can see a little more of you. Through your grace, let it be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Mm. The blind man on the road. I think today... You ever notice when someone coughs, you want to cough? Sometimes just saying the word cough over and over makes you cough, right? See, it works. I think I'm moving the water a little closer today. Mm. Let me ask you something. Have you ever... Now, I asked the kids about getting in trouble... And you know you're guilty when you're getting in trouble. You kind of know it. But have you ever thought about the difference between guilt and shame? Because in some way it works into all of these encounters with Jesus that we have been looking at. 
Two weeks ago, it was Nicodemus. He came to Jesus at night. Why? He didn't want to be seen. Why? Because people were going to talk. Was he ashamed of what the everyday person would say? Or maybe whenever the everyday people started talking and it got back to his friends. <gasps> you went and talked to that man? And put shame on him. The woman at the well. She had guilt. She knew what she had done. Spoilers, Jesus knew it too. And he still offered her grace and life. And a filling of her emptiness. But she was avoiding shame. How? Instead of coming at midnight, she was walking to the well in the middle of the day when it was so hot that no one else would go there because she didn't want to see the looks that other people directed at her. But this blind man on the road brings up something else. Have you ever been shamed and you think, I don't deserve this. I didn't do anything. I didn't... People think this of me and I didn't do anything to warrant it. <clears throat> you know, sometimes that's the hardest to bear when you feel that it is unjust. Because at least if you've really done something and people are shaming you for it, sometimes you process that as sort of a penance. Oh, I deserve, you know, people shaming me and looking at me. I, you know, I was I was wrong and I'll... I'll, I'll bear up under this, but it's that much harder to bear whenever you think, what did I do? Now, the reason I bring this up is even the disciples were asking Jesus who sinned, this man or his parents, so that he was born blind. Now, you, first of all, let's be honest. Haven't we had the thought, what did I do to deserve this? Especially if something's wrong with your kid. But the Pharisees, trying to work this out, the theologians of the time, had tried to figure everything out. And as usual, <coughs> they got a few things wrong. One of them was this. They were assuming that everything bad that happened was because of something that a person had done that was sinful. And the question was, was it the parents or he himself that had sinned so that he was born blind? Now, if the second one sounds a little funny, it is. Because the Pharisees had come up with an idea that maybe when you were in the womb, you could somehow sin to the extent that you were born blind. No one evidently read the book of Job back then, did they? Now, I understand it. Because it's a very human thing to do. Okay, you see something bad that has happened to another person. Isn't the temptation to try to figure out how and why it happened? Why? So you can find out and figure out how to never let it happen to you. That's a very human thing to make sense of it. Oh, if we link bad things to something the person has done, then all we need to do to avoid that bad thing is not do this. That 
brings us back to that illusion that we have control of everything in our lives. And we really love that illusion. The unfortunate side effect is this. You tend to condemn, you tend to even make a villain of those who have had bad things happen to them. And that's what was happening here. So the parents sinned or maybe the baby had sinned in the womb. Really? I I, want to play a little video. I was trying to figure out when would be a good time to show this. This is at 20... uh, Kelton, hit the space bar. Evidently my clicker doesn't want to start it. Try clicking the mouse on. Oh my. Can we all stand to think about technology? Here we go. This is 20 weeks. Where is this baby sinning? I don't know. Seems a little ADD here. I don't know if that's a sin, but I'm sure it's not a sin. But wait a minute. I said, oh, maybe it was there. He just kicked his mama. I need more room. And she went, oh, I ran into, (laughs) I I ran in this week. I ran into uh, Ashley and Jaden and Robbie and Ashley was driving the car and we were sitting in the parking lot. We were talking for a minute and Ashley had this wonderful green cast to her face. You know what I'm talking about? Mommies. And I said, are you okay? Wondering if I should move the car quickly out of range. She said, I don't think the baby likes Arby's. <laughs> so that's it. He's made his mom sick, so obviously he did something bad to her. Who knows what he's going to come out like? You know, he might be blind, might be lame, might, who knows? This is the kind of things the Pharisees were thinking up in their spare time? I'm sure it was more complicated and theological and probably understandable than that. But doggone, it sure does feel good to make fun of it because honestly, it's silly. Now, the picture was complicated even more because Jesus had healed this man on the Sabbath. Which evidently you couldn't do anything like healing a person because that was work and God had said don't work. And Jesus, if you remember in your New Testament readings, was always at loggerheads with the Pharisees and he was telling them, look, if your donkey fell in the ditch, you would pull it out on the Sabbath and you're giving me grief for this. And he told the disciples the Sabbath was made for humanity, not humanity for the Sabbath. Now, the trouble is... You ever seen somebody who knows so much they've just lost all of their sense of the situation? Please don't say you're looking at one, Lori. I mean, I just... Yeah. <sighs> My mom's laughing a little too hard. See, the thing is, they had a certain power over this man and over his parents. And let's continue reading to find out what that was. And the Pharisees, again, this is in verse 17, questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? You ever heard of officers of the law going on a fishing expedition of the witness? Okay. The man replied, 
I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see, so they call in his parents. They ask them, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? <clears throat> now his parents replied, <clears throat> we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him, he's old enough to speak for himself. You ever heard someone throw someone under the bus? <laughs> We're too scared of you. Talk to him. Now remember, these people had been living under the same, the same stigma as the son. There were two options. Either he sinned or his parents sinned so that he was born blind. Imagine years and years of that assumption eating away at you. And now the people who have been judging you have called you in and are asking you for an account. And they say, no, no ask him. We don't know anything about this. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. Okay, Christians, that means excommunicated. Okay? That's why they said he is old enough, ask him. They were afraid. For the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him God should get the glory for this because we know this man Jesus is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man said, but I know this, I was blind and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, getting a little sassy now. I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said... You are his disciples, but we are the disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. You notice that the sides have been drawn and he has decided he's on Jesus's. Do you notice that this is the person, the people who had been looking down upon him and now he is standing up to them? Something has changed and it culminates in this. <clears throat> I don't know how sarcastically to read this, but it seems pretty saucy to me. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began... No one, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner. Okay, now obviously the Pharisees have identified in their mind who sinned that he was born blind. He had sinned. You were born a total sinner, they announced. And are you trying to teach us? Then they threw him out of the synagogue. They excommunicated him. Just a little word on blindness. <laughs> In this story, we have a man who was born blind being brought before men who were 
willfully blind. We have someone, if you remember John's love of the the imagery of light and darkness and Jesus' own statement about there's darkness, but while I'm here, I'm the light of the world and He gives sight. He opens this man's eyes. This is the story of a man who was stuck in darkness surrounded by people who had chosen the darkness. At least of their mind. Also, makes me think of this. It's also about this. A note on public opinion. Why do we give people so much power over us by worrying so much about what they think of us? Well, I never did. Well, you must be the, you know, the rebel without a flaw. I mean, I think everybody at some point does this. What are people going to think? What are they going to say? Wasn't Jesus the one who kept saying things like, don't be afraid of those who are here. Be a, you know, be respectful, be fearful of your Father in heaven. Shouldn't we rather be more concerned with our heavenly Father's approval? Nicodemus was wandering in the dark, but you notice he later paid for the spices for Jesus' burial, and he paid about a year's worth in salary at that time for that. He was extravagant in his statement of his love for Jesus when he had started out walking to him, worried about people seeing him in the dark. The woman at the well, you remember, she was in the middle of the day hiding from the town, and then she encountered Jesus, and then she ran back into town saying, listen, look at this person, he told me everything I did. That shame was no longer important to her. And now this man born blind who had lived his life being looked down upon by the people of the community, especially the leaders, the theologians, the religious members in his community, is healed and winds up confronting these very respectable men in the temple. In this story, this man was not just given physical sight. To put it in the words of a a very nice song, Jesus opened the eyes of his heart as well. And in John 9.35-41, when Jesus heard what had happened, about the man being thrown out of the temple, excommunicated. He found the man. Jesus went to him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. Notice this. You might gloss over it quick. You have seen him. Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshipped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and said, Are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Now see, this man was brought from this physical blindness to both 
physical and spiritual sight as evidenced by his standing up to the people in the temple and his statement, Lord, I believe. And as a matter of fact, this is almost even a parable of us because John sort of slips in there. If you're not getting it, by the way, he was sent to the pool that is sent. In other words, you are touched by Jesus, you are sent by him, you receive your sight, and then you are sent into a place where there are others who need that same spiritual sight given to them. Now the Pharisees chose to remain in the dark. Why? Maybe it was an honest conviction, maybe an honest judgment, but I don't think so because Jesus would not have condemned them for seeing, not seeing, and I think that comes down to choosing not to see. Feeling threatened? Probably. Jesus was a threat to both their spiritual authority and thereby their worldly power. That is how they gained power over the people by them looking to them. And Jesus was having people look to him. So they chose to remain blind. And this leads us to our Lenten question of the week, if you will. During Lent, all of these have to come down to some question we ask ourselves that we might not quite be comfortable asking, but Jesus calls us to do it. So here's the question. Have we chosen, have I chosen, am I even now in some way choosing an easy blindness in some area of my life over a difficult, clear, God-given sight? Is there some truth that I do not want to see? Something about myself, something about my relationship with another, something about my situation Something that it is easier just to not admit to myself. Isn't it so much easier to see that when someone else is doing it? How many times have you thought or have you even said to someone else, oh, you just don't want to see it. You just don't want to admit it. You're fooling yourself. You're pulling the wool over your own eyes. Maybe that's a stretch. That's a little wordy. Only a preacher would say something like that to another person probably. And how hard is it to sometimes, how difficult is it to sometimes just let Jesus show us? that thing which we really would rather not see. But here's the thing. Jesus calls us to live in the light. He calls us to open eyes, to open hearts. He calls us out of the self-imposed Blindness. He calls us to look at the things that are hard to see in our lives. See, here's the thing. I want to be 
I don't want to be the Pharisees in this story. I want to be the man that Jesus healed. I want to be the person who was brought into the very seat of the area where the shame was being placed upon him. And having the power of that broken, choosing to do the right thing and to follow God regardless. Because where I was blind, now I can see. And even if the very worst happens as a consequence, I now have a freedom in Christ that is worth it all. That's who I want to be. I once heard someone say this. I kind of like it. I can't vouch for the source, but... I'm not yet the man I ought to be. I'm not the man I want to be, but thank God I'm not the man I was. I kind of like that. Because through our lives, we're going to have multiple opportunities to say one thing I know. I was blind, but now I see. Now I see. And it has made such a difference. The only question is, how long do we take? Saying, Lord, show me all of these things, but Father, I'm not ready for this yet. You know, I, I believe God is patient. But He does call us into those amazingly scary, amazingly healing moments. And we can trust Him when we're in them. Glory be to God. Let us pray. Father, this day we come to you and we give you all of our willful blindness, all of the hurtful shame, all of our fear, all of our insecurities, and ask you, Lord, we ask you to Open the eyes of our hearts. Lead us from darkness into light. Into your healing. Which will bring us wholeness. And make us wonder why we were so afraid. In the first place. Let it be, dear Lord, in Christ's name. Amen.